all personnel. Incoming podcast. This is Mash Matters. They said it wasn't possible, but here we are. We're back. We're back, Jeff, for another episode of Mash Matters. Episode 89. We're on the cusp of 90. The cusp of 90. You're not talking about me, right? You're talking about the <laughs> episodes, the number of episodes. Is that right? Just want to make sure. I want to be clear. That was not a, a jab at your age or uh, my youth and vitality. I was not <laughs> saying anything about that. <laughs> well, plus that I never like people looking at my or talking about my cusp at all. At all. It's private and personal. You have a very nice cusp. Well, thank you. Well, you should right. be proud of okay, it. Okay, great. I like the cut of your cusp. I like the cut of your cusp. I like that too. Thank you very much. So anyway, here we are, Jeff. Here we are. Episode 89. Yeah. 89. Holy yep. moly, as they say in the religious yeah. uh, world. <laughs> yeah. Episode 89. I mean, really, we didn't know when we started this, and we've said this before, probably ad nauseum, but we had no idea that this was going to turn out 89 episodes. No. When we started, we were two guys going, okay, okay. And here we are. Uh, congratulations, Brian Patrick. Well, congratulations to you too, Jeff. I remember, I think in one of our early conversations about this podcast, I believe you asked the question, is there enough for us to talk about on the podcast? <laughs> And uh, lo and behold, we have more stuff than we'll probably ever get to, including a lot of listener emails and messages and voicemails, which we're going to read in just a bit. But before we do that, back in episode 87, we had the voicemail from Leslie, and she was asking about the town that lost power during the finale. And I could not find this information, and I don't know how I couldn't find it because it was readily available on the internet, and somehow I could not find it. But several people reached out to us, multiple people, uh, including John. Would you like to read John's message to us, Jeff? I would really like to read John's message. John says, hey, Jeff and Ryan, in your last episode, someone asked about storms knocking out power and then preventing some people from seeing the finale. That did happen in Northern California, and in fact, it happened very near to where Jeff was in San Francisco. A handful of newspapers covered it. Some articles talked about the series finale and on the same page had a story about the storms since both seemed to be big news at the time. As always, love the podcast. Thanks so much for continuing to do that. Thank you, John. Yes. Well, there he goes. There it is. And Betty said, I was just listening to episode 87. I got to the part with the question about the town that had not seen the finale due to a power outage. I was surprised when Ryan said he didn't know about it because I remember it clearly. I'm from Connecticut, too, just like your listener who asked the question. So maybe it was just a big story around here. I did some Googling and found a couple of references to the incident. She found an article from MeTV. And there is an also a UPI story, the final episode of MASH, Monday night seen by 125 million people. Apparently, the TV station affected showed it again three weeks later, so people got to see it. We will put those links in the show notes. And also, thanks to uh, Matthew, Donna, and our uh, Patreon VIP, Charlie Lipset. He also sent us some links to some of these stories as well. And from Shades with Love on YouTube, woohoo! It's Leslie from Connecticut. I did a deeper dive. Talk to the CBS archives. I didn't know anybody could talk to CBS archives. I didn't know that either. That's more difficult than getting nuclear secrets out of Miralago. It's incredible. Jeff, I know that you said you had power where you were in San Francisco. So maybe San Francisco is extra big? 
CBS said that power was out in some spots in San Francisco, Pacifica, and Daly City due to the storm. Turns out as a fix, CBS did a rebroadcast a few days later, according to CBS. They said to double confirm with WPIX in San Francisco, but that has been a bit more challenging. However, so glad they took care of our MASH peeps who were helplessly powerless. I would have completely lost it. Just saying. So Leslie, who left us the original voicemail, found out the answer on her own. You didn't need me, Leslie, because I was completely worthless when it came to finding information. But thanks to everybody whose Googling powers are much better than my own. You know, I have to be very honest here. I don't remember that. (laughs) I have no memory (laughs) of a storm. I remember being at the... uh, uh, the, uh, what the heck were the, the, uh, wasn't that like a press club, the press club. Yes. Yeah. And there were a lot of people and, uh, we were, I was there with GW Bailey and Kelly Nakahara and I had actually come down with a little cold a few days before that. So it was questionable whether I would actually go because I didn't want to infect everybody else nor make myself worse. But I decided to take a chance to do that anyway. And so I got in a plane and I flew there and the moments, well, probably three or four hours before the uh, episode aired, I went in and took a nap because I was pretty tired. So I went to bed and I woke up and I felt really good. I felt a lot better. Uh, we watched the episode. Everybody laughed and applauded and cried and talked. And we had a great time that night. And uh, I went back into the room, went to bed and uh, and that was it. I never experienced a storm, so I didn't know any of this was going on. Well, you were probably hopped up on antihistamines and codeine, too, so you may not remember a lot about that evening. Well, there is that. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. So moving on, episode 86, we had our special guest to talk about the episode Dreams, and we heard from Wayne. Wayne said, finally got through all your podcasts. I'm caught up. I never told you my MASH story. That's probably because I don't have one. My only memory is when I was about 11 or 12 and watching it with my dad, and there was some sort of sexually related joke, and I laughed. My dad looked at me and made the comment that there is no way I even knew what that joke meant. (laughs) I had a great relationship with my dad, but it had nothing to do with MASH. He passed away when I was 15 years old in 1977. I just started watching MASH on my own during its first run and in reruns. I do own several of the DVDs, but not all of them. I really don't have any warm and fuzzy stories about why I love MASH so much. I just do. I will say this, though. There are many TV shows I've enjoyed over the years, but there are only two that I love watching over and over. MASH and Game of Thrones. An interesting combination. I know. Just a quick note on Game of Thrones. I am one of the few that liked how it ended. That's Wayne, not me saying that. That's Wayne saying that. I don't have an opinion on the finale. Wayne goes on to say, also, watching how many shows, especially during the 70s, portray conservatives and Christians always bothered me. I always assumed that Frank Burns was a conservative, just like Archie Bunker. Well, I am nothing like either one of them and never met anyone like them. I am not racist nor a homophobe. And on the episode, when you talked about the dreams episode, Ryan made the comment about how there are too many Frank Burns in the world when the subject came up about how things are today with liberals and conservatives. I am hoping that wasn't a generalization of conservatives. I don't think it was, but I just wasn't sure. Looking forward to the next podcast. Wayne, let me just say 
Your comment is exactly what I expect from a conservative. Ah, I'm kidding. No, 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 stop. I'm kidding. That was not a generalization of conservatives. That was a generalization of people who, much like Frank Burns, say they believe one thing and are hypocritical and do the exact opposite. And there are a lot of those people and a lot of those people who are doing it saying that they are right when they are obviously in the wrong, whether they are conservative, whether they are uh, liberal, whether they are Christian, whether they are atheist, whatever. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter the political affiliation. It doesn't matter their religious beliefs. There is a lot of noise in the world. There are people who are being very hypocritical. And those are the Frank Burns in this world. And that's what I was referring to. So I, I'm sorry if anybody felt that I was doing a generalization of conservatives. That was not my intent. You know, you read that exactly like I wrote it. Thank you. Thank you. Wonderfully done. I appreciate your lawyer putting <laughs> that draft together for us. Thank you. Whew. <laughs> you know, I think that's the most political thing we've ever said or even <laughs> gotten close to. <laughs> On Mash Matters. We try to steer clear of it. And we do. At least we do. Now, some of our guests, some of our yeah. guests might say things that tick people off, but that, sure. you know, hey, the views of our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of Mash Matters. But in this case, I did make that statement. Yes. Uh, you know, and if Wayne was rubbed the wrong way, there's probably somebody else out there I rubbed the wrong way. Well, your explanation was uh, very well articulated and, and very wonderful what you said. Yeah. I would expect you to say that because you're a liberal. <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> Okay, thank you. Hey, and Seth said, as moving along, because I'm starting to sweat, uh, Seth says, really enjoyed your episode discussing dreams. I think it is a brilliant episode. I wish I could say thank you, but I had nothing to do with it, okay? So anyway, I've always been a little bummed that they did not bring any of the old characters back for that episode since they were dreams. Would have been cool to see Frank in Margaret's dream or Blake or Trapper in Hawkeyes. That always makes me wonder if any of the actors that left the show ever stopped by the set just to visit. Jeff, that's me. Do you remember that ever taking place? Well, no, I don't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my knowledge, it never took place. Now, certainly, um, McLean Stevenson would probably not have revisited because it was a very emotional issue for him. Mm -hmm. uh, certainly, it was a big surprise to everybody when that happened. So he probably had other emotional commitments that he wanted to explore rather than coming back to say hello to the people at MASH. Though, mm -hmm. years later, he certainly, uh, I think, had some growth and, and felt terrible and, about that. But uh, he did not come and visit. Um and uh Trapper, I don't know, you know, he went off and did his own thing and he was he had a series after MASH he was involved with, plus his uh, you know, his financial world, which he was very involved with. So he wouldn't have been running not a lot of free time to come back and visit with everybody on the set. And Larry, he was working very hard in uh, dinner theater and traveling around the country. So Larry Lindwell would probably not have had a lot of time to come back and sit around the, you know, jaw with everybody either. So people were just busy. I do agree with Seth, though. It would have been cool to see some of these old characters pop up 
in mm-hmm. the dreams of the people who were at the time. So even Klinger, you know, if, if Blake had shown up in Klinger's uh, or if, if Radar had shown up in, in one of them, it would have been cool to see them pop up there. Nowadays, if, if MASH was being filmed today, I think you would see that. But back then, uh, I think it was once a, an actor left a show, you never saw or heard them again. That was it. It wasn't a thing. But it was a good idea. You're right. It's a good idea, Seth. Would have been fun. That would have yeah. been fun to see those people. Yeah. We heard from Leah about episode 85, which was the Seeing Red episode. And she says, uh, regarding the episode where they dyed everything red, I've always wondered why they picked red. I mean, after all, they're surrounded by blood every day. And in the one episode, Hawkeye tells the congressional aide they are up to their knees in red. I can't remember exact words, but that's the gist of it. Anyway, I would think that they wanted a color other than green. They would have picked something like blue or at least orange, but not red. Love the podcast. Keep them coming. Thank you, Leah. I agree. Why red? My only guess is that they had a lot of red uniforms in uh, the wardrobe department. I don't know. (laughs) Or they had a surplus of red material. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know why red. It, It does seem odd. Yeah. Those are the questions that will go unanswered probably forever because we just (laughs) will never know who or what or why that color was picked. Isn't it great how we can come on here and fill, you know, 40 minutes of us really giving no answers at all? Absolutely nothing. Yep. But sounding like we are. I mean, that's our bread and butter on this podcast. Well, that's that's our skill, Ryan. You know, we can... We can fraudulently imply that we know the answers to these things <laughs> right, right. and sound like we do, but we have absolutely nothing to say. Hey, we could be politicians now that you oh, what? Oh, here we go again. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Hey, before we move on to our new questions and, and voicemails, let's give a shout out to our Patreon VIPs, Private Rebecca Pittenger. Thank you. And Private Greg Barnett. Corporal Stephen Cohen. Corporal Madeline Stebbins. Captain Mark Kalazi. I hope I pronounced that correctly. I have no idea. Uh, (laughs) Well, we don't have any idea, do we? No, we really don't. But we'll pretend we do. (laughs) Captain Ron Havens. Captain Deb Sini. This uh, Patreon member is from the Netherlands. So here we go. Captain Peter with Hagen. And from Australia, we have a Captain C.J. Vincent. Major Joya Albi. Major Aaron Gilson. And of course, who can forget Major Mary Lovato? You can sign up and be a Patreon VIP and support the show for as little as $3 a month at uh, mashmatters.com slash support. And uh, one of our new captains, CJ, in Australia, he says, uh, hey, I've seen you on Facebook. I've seen you on Patreon. But have you thought of making a Discord server? I'll uh, I'll let Jeff answer that. Jeff? <laughs> Well, that's the show. Thanks for listening, everybody. (laughs) Next week, another episode of MASH Matters. Goodbye. So here's the deal, CJ. Jeff and I are um, old. (laughs) We barely get things out on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. I don't have any experience with Discord, and I know that Discord is a thing. It's like this really big chat group where you can make rooms that are devoted to certain subjects or certain shows or certain whatever. Uh, I'm not saying that we might never do one. I just don't know what the heck I'm doing. So I guess I need to kind of look around on Discord and see if it's even worth doing. And I'll ask the listeners uh, who are on Discord or have experience with Discord. Is this a thing? Do we want to do something like this? What does it entail? I have no freaking clue. Yeah. 
But hey, follow us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. I, I kind of know what I'm doing there. <laughs> yeah. When I first uh, read this, I thought it was a typo. I didn't know what a Discord server meant or is. Uh, you at least have heard of it. I have never heard of it. Don't know what it is. All right. Let's go to the phones. Here's a voicemail from Larry. Uh, hi, Jeff and Ryan. I have a question for Jeff. If your agent had given you a opportunity to audition for Hawkeye, if you had a chance to be in match from the very beginning, this is Larry from Philadelphia, by the way. If you had a chance to audition for Hawkeye from the very beginning and you still lost out to Alan Alda, would you still have the same love and respect for him that you do today? Or would you see him as a scoundrel that took away your chance to be Hawkeye? First of all, my agent never gave me anything. So I want to get that out of the way. <laughs> now, had I had the opportunity to audition for the part of Hawkeye, what what did he say? <laughs> so if you had had the opportunity from the get-go back in 1972 when MASH started yes. to audition uh -huh. for the role of Hawkeye, and you went in yep. and let's say it came down to either Jeff Maxwell or Alan Alda mm -hmm. was going to get the role of Hawkeye, and the other actor was going to be cast as Igor. Let's just say mm -hmm. this. This is, of course, you know, fiction, but let's just say, lo and behold, the role goes to Alan Alda. You get cast as Igor. Now, do you still look at Alan Alda with the same esteem and affection that you do now? Or do you view it differently? I think, as Larry said, as a scoundrel who stole your part. Absolutely. Uh, total scoundrel. Absolutely. Positively. <laughs> get the guy out of there. <laughs> What is he doing? He couldn't have act his way out of a paper bag. I could have done it better. Oh, of course I would. Well, maybe not. I don't know. Maybe I would. Yeah. Have. <laughs> Who knows? You know, well, I, I, know. I guess every you actor know. is different, but I mean, certainly you've had roles that you've probably lost to other people. And then even in community theater, I've had it happen to me where I've, you know, watched people who get parts I want. And I think, <laughs> yeah, I could have done it a lot better than him. I <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I would hope that I would have had the character to be gracious about losing the part to that guy, um, Alan, and uh, would have been okay with it. I would probably have been bummed for about three or four years and then maybe mm -hmm. begin to get over it with a lot of therapy <laughs> and drug interaction. But eventually I would climb out of the pitiful hole and, and be a more uh, gracious human being, I, I would hope. Certainly. Yeah. Larry from yeah. Philadelphia. Please don't do it again, Larry. But anyway, no, no, no. I'm just kidding. Thank you, Larry. Oh, no, you didn't write. You had a voicemail. I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. Are you hopped up on antihistamines and codeine right now, too? Wait, wait a minute. Okay. Just pick some more antihistamines. And I can breathe. I can breathe again. All right. Okay. And moving on, Larry. Marnie says, hi, Jeff and Ryan. That's us. My name is Marnie from Melbourne, Australia, and I deeply regret not writing sooner, and so do we. I was practically raised on MASH. At first, I didn't want to watch that weird old army show like my parents liked until one night they played Five O'Clock Charlie. By the time Hawkeye complained, the camp didn't need a gun or a nug. I was officially hooked, and now it's my all-time favorite show. I minored in film and television in university, and at 25 years old, I'm finding myself contextualizing how MASH and other forms of media affected me growing up. I've come to the conclusion that the show taught me two very important lessons. Number one, that authority can and should be questioned if you have doubts about their expertise, competency, and morality. Boy, you can say that again. Number two, 
not only about humanity, but how to be an open-minded, kind, and empathetic member of it. Well, gee, uh, gosh, those sound pretty good. While MASH is very much a product of his time, it can still resonate with new generations. There is a massive fan base of people my age and younger who love these characters. It's fair to say MASH's longevity carries on as it should. I've been listening to your show since January after listening to one of your guest appearances on MASHcast. I'm still catching up, but have been greatly enjoying the journey to get up to speed. You guys are awesome. Let me read that again. You guys are awesome. I'll say it one more time. (laughs) You guys are awesome. And I can't wait to see what you come up with next. Well, Marnie, thank you very much. That's right. Well, we can't wait to see what you write next. That's really, I love that authority (laughs) can and should be questioned if you have doubts about their expertise, competence, and morality. Mm -hmm. I think that could be working today. (laughs) <laughs> you think? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we, we can't wait to see what we come up with next because we have no clue what we're going to no be clue. doing next. And Marty, come on, make a movie. Let's make a movie, Marty. Let's do it. It gets uh, financing and we'll help you put it together. Fly us to Australia and we'll make it there with you. Good idea. We're trying to get some of our listeners in Australia to foot the bill for us to come over there. You know, First class. It, well, yes, obviously. <laughs> Marnie also mentioned that there is a massive fan base of younger people. We've talked about this before, and we know that, and it still blows my mind how young people are finding MASH for the first time. And, you know, I'm pretty sure that these young people who are finding the show, they're probably talking about it on Discord, but I have no clue because I'm old (laughs) and... I don't know how to find them. Marnie, if you know how to get us on Discord, let us know. So Austin sent us a message saying, Ryan, I don't believe I've seen you or Jeff talk about this, but it's a great little gem for MASH fans. Would be nice to see or hear a reaction from Jeff. And he sent us a YouTube link, and we will put the link to this in our show notes for this episode, episode 89. It's from Futurama, which is a show that was uh, by Matt Groening, who did The Simpsons. I will be honest, I've never watched Futurama. This is a uh, clip from season three's War is the H-Word. No explosions. Gee, Zoidberg, leave some for the enemy to kill. Leave Dr. Zoidberg alone. He has twice the training you do. Yeah, he's a doctor and a butcher. (laughs) (laughs) See, this is how it starts. First with the jokes, then comes the heavy stuff. (laughs) When will the killing end? Jeff, I sent you this link and asked you to watch it before. It's it's like a two-minute clip from this animated series. (laughs) What did you think when you clicked on that link? I didn't give you any information about what it was. I just said, here's a link. Watch this before we record. <laughs> what did you think? I I thought the antihistamines kicked in and I was somewhat, <laughs> I didn't know what I was looking at. I kept thinking, what am I looking at? What is this? Yeah, right. uh, Interesting. Yeah, I have no idea what Futurama was. I didn't know. And uh, it's funny. I mean, it's cute. I was impressed uh, with what they did. The two things that stood out to me is whoever did the voice of the Alan Alda character yes. did a spot on Alan Alda <laughs> impression. It mm-hmm. was very impressive. Yeah, he did. And the coolest part about it is that it featured a special guest appearance by Todd Sussman on the PA. Attention, all personnel evacuate the planet immediately. And not just because it's meatloaf night. Pretty cool. Yeah. I noticed they didn't have Igor in it, but, uh, you know, (laughs) what the heck's wrong with those So when you and Todd Sussman would audition for a part and Todd Sussman would get it, did you look at Todd Sussman as a scoundrel or... (laughs) 
<laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Didn't mean to bring that up. I know you guys always, uh, you know, were auditioning for the same thing. Yeah, we loved each other. It was fine. We <laughs> hugged and kissed and everything. We didn't care. Oh, Todd, you got the commercial. Great, buddy. I can't <laughs> wait to see it and see how much money you get from all the residuals. Great. No, no, but it didn't bother. No, we we need to get Todd on the show here and let you two work through this. I want to go at it. (laughs) (laughs) I would love to hear that. Todd's a very nice man, very very nice man, and we did have a we met each other a lot of times there, and he was a great guy. You know, quite frankly, I think he got more uh, commercials. He was more of an everyman. He kind of let his hair kind of get to be like everybody. I went to hairstylist. <laughs> I had a bouffant. I liked hairspray. I was, you know, I was puffed out. I. <laughs> you still kind of are. Well, yeah. <laughs> so I think I didn't fit the mold of, of a lot of, uh, you know, commercial kind of characters. Yeah. And Todd did beautifully. Not that, you know, I had nothing to do with looks. But right. I had the hair going and, and he kind of went on to make a lot of money doing commercials instead of me. <laughs> anyway, Steve says, Dear Jeff and Ryan, my name is Steve and I just found your podcast about two weeks ago and I'm already up to episode 40 or so. I've been meaning to contact you and let you know how much I appreciate the show and all you guys are doing. And then tonight I came across a Reddit thread titled, What is the Saddest TV Show Death of All Time? I immediately thought of Henry Blake, so I clicked the link to leave my comment thinking a couple of people might know what I was talking about. To my surprise, the very top comment by a long shot was the woman who killed her baby in the bus with Hawkeye. I then realized that scene was so traumatic, I had essentially blocked it out. I'm 24, so obviously did not watch the show as it aired, but rather with my parents growing up. I must have seen that scene somewhere before the age of 10. I watch the show all the time, but generally avoid that final episode, despite the fact that it was truly exceptional. Anyway, I thought it was very interesting that so many people related that as the most tragic death given the user base of Reddit is, on average, quite young. The average age is likely 20, so even today's youth are still watching the show in larger numbers than any of us probably realize. And a show that ended in 1983 still holds the record for most tragic TV death, which is interesting. On a much lighter note, I know you guys are curious what people do while watching the show. I myself am a tool maker, so generally I'm milling and drilling, and today I was grinding and welding. That's a law firm, isn't it? Grinding and welding. <laughs> Cra- <laughs> they specialize in accident cases. We're grinding and welding, and we specialize in. You got hit by. Anyway, it can be frustrating at times, so it's comforting to hear you guys with the great chemistry you have and helps get me through the day. Thanks for all your hard work, and I'll be sure to write in next time with a funny story or at least something less tragic. Well, thank you. I hope so, uh, Steve. Yeah. Thank you very much. And grinding and welding and, and milling and drilling and grinding and welding. That's going to yeah. be a musical, actually. We're we're going to write the musical, grinding and welding and drilling and milling. I'm grinding and welding and drilling and milling. I'm sorry. 
I'm just letting the antihistamines wear off and then I'll, yeah, then please. I'll move on. <laughs> Once again, all those young people out there, you know, uh, showing up on Reddit and talking about MASH. Love it. Yep. We'll talk more about it on our Discord channel once we get that up. <laughs> Oh, and by the way, uh, if uh, somebody has not watched the finale, sorry, we probably should have put a uh, 39-year-old spoiler alert on that moment. Yeah. I hope we didn't ruin that for you. Woo! All right. So Eric writes in and says, I've been a longtime fan of your podcast. I'm sure you get tons of questions about MASH, but I'd like to mix things up and ask a different question to Jeff. The first time I saw Jeff in something post-MASH was the comedy Night Patrol. They were trained at the police academy. They were toughened on the streets of L.A. And now they're ready for Night Patrol. A 1984 movie starring Murray Langston, also known as the Unknown Comic, Linda Blair, and Pat Paulson. My goodness, what a murderer's row of comedy madness (laughs) that is. In Jeff's scene, he was in jail for exposing himself in a park. I was a teenager at the time and rented the movie often from my local video store. I thought it was hysterical. Watching it recently, much of its humor would be, let's say, problematic. (laughs) Can Jeff tell us about his experience shooting Night Patrol? I was curious what his relationship with her was like and what the mood was like on the set with comedy pros like Langston and Paulson. P.S., if you ever need someone to recite the entire episode of Deal Me Out by Heart... I'm your man. <laughs> Jeff, before we talk about the uh, cinematic nugget that is Night Patrol, <laughs> he, he yeah. mentions Murray Langston, Linda Blair. Yes. Also, he didn't mention Billy Barty, right. Jack Riley, J.P. Morgan showing up in it, and our very own Jeff Maxwell. On IMDb, Jeff is credited as Flashing Prisoner. <laughs> And this brings me so much joy. I have to admit, I had never seen or heard of the film Night Patrol. I found the trailer on YouTube. I'll put the link to that trailer in the show notes. Oh, no, that's all right. Please don't. That's fine. Thank you. (laughs) As Eric says, watching it today, the humor might be problematic. If you are very sensitive to crass humor, you may not want to watch the trailer. Why don't we put the link on Discord? That might work. (laughs) It will cause Discord, I have a feeling. It will. So, Jeff, tell us a little bit about Night Patrol. Well, that's that for this episode. 89, <laughs> thanks very much for listening. No, no, we'll no, be I right wanna, back. I am so glad that Eric wrote this because <laughs> I want to hear everything oh. about your experience as the flashing prisoner. Well, first of all, I have to say it was it was a, an idea that was created and somehow he got the money to do it. I don't know how he did it, but Murray Langston was a friend of mine. Okay. We started out in nightclubs kind of together and we performed in the same nightclub a uh, lot. And so we were pals. I mean, we were comics trying to do what they were, you know, we were trying to do as young guys. Um, we were we did a lot of shows at a place called Art Crown's Comedy Showcase. <laughs> it's it's now a tire store, but at the time it was kind of a nightclub, and uh, it presented a lot of really talented singers and comedians. But Murray was one of them, and uh, I thought he was a crazy, wacky, funny guy, and he thought I was a kind of a crazy, wacky, funny guy too. So we were we were pals. In fact, I think he tried to date my girlfriend, but that's another story. Oh, hey. Anyway, he uh, he was very nice and he contacted me and said, hey, I want you to do this as a movie. We're going to be in it. And it's great. No, oh, boy, we'll have a good time. And I said, sure, absolutely. I quite honestly, again, I, I really, this has not got anything to do with my uh, 
anything physically wrong with me or anything, but I don't remember much about the movie. Uh, <laughs> I remember being in the jail cell mm -hmm. in downtown Los Angeles, but I really don't remember exactly the scene or how it worked or what happened. Mm -hmm. All I can tell you is that Murray Langston is a good guy. He and Linda Blair were friends. And so she was very, uh, uh, gracious certainly to show up and pat paulson was a hot shot guy and he showed up yeah. too um you know everybody kind of respected everybody in the comedy business and um so when somebody had something and they you know everybody said hey let's support it and get behind it that's what we all did but i wish i could tell you more about what happened that night or that day i would but I don't. Well, maybe that's a good thing. Uh, yeah, after watching the trailer, maybe that's maybe that's a good thing. There are two uh, other MASH connections to it uh, because there were two other actors in that film who had uh, guest appearances on MASH. Pat Morita was also mm -hmm. in the movie. And Andrew Dice Clay made an appearance. And they were both yeah. on episodes of MASH. Um, TV Guide, in its review of Night Patrol says <laughs> this police comedy does the impossible. It makes police Academy look like a piece of sophisticated humor. <laughs> and Linda Blair received a Razzie award in 1985 uh -oh. for worst actress. So, Hey, uh, it, it was an award-winning movie. Yeah, it, it certainly was uh, quite, <laughs> quite a substantial piece of work really. Yes. You know, I, everybody, you know, you admire people who, who are able to get something done and whether or not this was a brilliant piece of filmmaking, you know, that's other people can decide that. But Murray was able to, you know, coddle together some people and some money and to get everybody in a room and to actually make a movie. So that's quite an accomplishment. It's quite an accomplishment. I congratulate him for that. And I hope him he's well. I haven't talked to him in a million years, but I hope he's doing really well. He also was a comedy team. He, he was had a partner named Freeman King. Uh, and it used to be Langston and King or King and Langston. I don't remember, but they were on the Sonny and Cher show for a while. So they had a good uh, gig there for a while. And then he went off and became the unknown comic and on the gong yeah, show on the gong yeah. show. Yeah. And yeah. If you don't know what that is, just Google the unknown comic and watch videos. There are a lot of them yeah. out there. I am going to see if I can see the film. Cause I'm curious now. I'd like to see what the heck <laughs> happened. In that too. <laughs> I feel like I need, I feel like for the sake of this show research, I should, yeah. I should probably watch your entire filmography. Honestly. <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> That'll take what I mean, 30 minutes. <laughs> or less. Thank you so much, Eric, for bringing that up. Our wonderful listener, Janelle, writes and says, Hello, help my husband and I clear up a debate, please. In the Yalu Brick Road episode, Klinger gets Thanksgiving dinner for everyone. At the end of the episode, he says to stop it. Thermopolis, Klinger, you know that turkey you sold me? Stop it! Followed by very wide eyes and a surprised expression. My husband says that Klinger, still having food poisoning, has an accident while yelling. <laughs> I say that it is then that Klinger realizes it wasn't the turkey that made him sick, but the stuffing. <laughs> Any answers for us? Thanks so much, Shane and Janelle. Well, there you go. And a very good Igor episode, too. Very good. Yes. This is, of course, the episode where the entire camp, for the most part, goes down with food poisoning. And you have a fantastic scene in that episode with Harry Morgan. You must be feeling a little better. Except for my stomach, sir. It's kind of like being on the ocean. Up and down. 
and up and down. Uh-huh. And then it gets up into my head and starts spinning around and around. No? Son, you don't have to. About the only thing I can do. Private? Sir? Move over. That was fun, yes. That was a fun scene to do with Harry. We had a good time. Very Plus, fun. you got to lay down the whole time. I got to lay down and, and act. Yeah. That's, <laughs> I mean, that's thing. a dream yeah. right there. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Janelle, Shane, I don't want to get in the middle of your marriage. I don't want to cause any strife. There is no correct answer to this question. I will tell you what my thought was. I read it as one of two things. Either Klinger is surprised at himself for saying that, or Sergeant Thomopoulos, the voiceless character that he's talking to on the other end of the phone, said something very rude, possibly vulgar, back to Klinger, and Klinger was maybe reacting to what Sergeant Thomopoulos said. Both of those answers are probably wrong. Both of your answers might be wrong as well, or they might be right. I am chalking it up to actor's choice, or it was written that way in the script. I, of course, do not have a copy of that script, so I don't know for sure how it's written. So, Shane and Janelle, for the sake of your marriage, I'm not going to take a side here. You both have very good answers, but I don't know that we're ever going to know the true answer to that question. Yeah, that's a toughie, huh? It could go either way, couldn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Interesting. I don't know. Okay, let's wrap this up. A nice message from Jesse. Recently, I've been going through some very difficult and stressful times, and sure enough, I turned to MASH for comfort. Your podcast has really added to the landscape. I'm always looking forward to new shows and have even re-listened to many of the past ones. I am very grateful for your efforts. Now, on to my tirade. Knowing how much MASH means to me and millions of other fans, is it infuriating how the Smithsonian sits on the largest collection of MASH sets, props, and artifacts For no one to see, the Smithsonian has become an institution that serves itself like some insatiable greedy collector that keeps everything under lock and key, satisfied that they and they alone can have access to it all. Here we are in the 50th anniversary of MASH launching, and they did nothing. Most of us were not lucky enough to visit the Smithsonian in 1983 to 1985. Since then, I heard they displayed the signposts for a whole two years back in 2008 and 2009. Gee, thanks, Smithsonian. A depressing number of the creators, actors, and other talent involved with MASH have passed away, as have countless fans. For one of the most popular TV shows of all time, how sad that there is so very little care given. It seems the only hope is for fans to somehow make a museum of MASH themselves, as in the kind that the public is allowed to actually go and visit and look at with their own eyes. If we could get people to contribute pieces from private collections, or maybe recreate sets, it could be something special. Somehow, someway, we need to get the Smithsonian to just give up its mash items. The Swamp and OR sets are vital and should be on display always. They are not that big, for Pete's sake. Surely all those items would have not been donated had they known the Smithsonian would just crate it all up and let it get moldy for the past 37 years. And I do doubt the condition of items after so many years in storage. It's really such a shame and inexcusable. At least the Malibu Creek State Park has made some efforts to keep the site open to the public, though much more could be done for exhibits there, too. Anyway, thanks for all you do. Jesse, how do you really feel? (laughs) 
Yeah. I wish you wouldn't beat around the yeah. bush, Jesse. Yeah, come on. Spit it out. <laughs> hey, well, you know, I got to say, I I feel the same way. You know, I took a bunch of pictures at, uh, on the set uh, out at the ranch one day, and some of them I included in uh, Secrets of the Mash Mess. And when the uh, folks from the uh, Smithsonian were on the set walking around, you know, picking and choosing things that they were going to put in the museum. Uh, they happened to see my, they asked if they could see my proof sheet and proof sheets. If people who don't remember what a proof sheet is, it's you, we should take pictures with negatives and they had 36 pictures on a roll and you make these uh, negatives and they would develop them. And then you had the negatives and they were proof sheets and make a proof sheet out of them. You can see all 36 pictures on one page and you pick whichever picture you like. Now we don't even know what a proof sheet is. We don't need them because they're digital cameras. Anyway, they looked at them and asked me if I would be uh, kind enough to donate them to the Smithsonian. And they really liked them. And they said, we'll blow them up and we'll put them around, uh, just, you know, demonstrations of what we see and all the stuff. And and I thought about it. I was very, you know, I was really flattered that they thought enough of the photos to actually ask me to do that. But then I thought, and then I won't have them anymore. And I didn't want to do that. So now I'm grateful uh, to that decision because I would not have wanted them to get all moldy in a drawer. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's too bad. It is too it bad. It is. It is. And, you know, we did – and I think we've, we've talked about this uh, in a prior episode. We did have a conversation going with uh, some folks from the Smithsonian about the possibility of doing something for the 50th, but that really just kind of went nowhere. And I know that not everything is, like, packed away in a store. You know, we had our – there's an episode, too, we did called uh, Sneaking to the Smithsonian. But our, our listener, Bren, was an intern with the Smithsonian, and she was able to go in and see some of the things that – they do have there in their archives, uh, Hawkeye's robe and his Hawaiian shirt. And, and there were a lot of cool things. Uh, Clingers, uh, I believe it was the Cleopatra dress. It is a shame, though, that these big set pieces, the OR and the Swamp, that they are in boxes and crates and sitting somewhere. It's kind of like at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark. They have this giant warehouse and they put this crate there and it's marked MASH and it will just sit there for who knows how long. It, it is sad, especially with the 50th anniversary, that we couldn't have gotten something done. But, uh, uh, you know, who's to say? Maybe someday, maybe, maybe, maybe we'll be able to convince them to, to put it out again. But uh, until then, no, it's going to stay packed away. And that is that is a shame. It is a shame. And we even tried to get some of the information and to be able to go see some of it at one point. But because of the pandemic, they weren't letting anybody into the uh into the storage facilities. So it's too bad. But, uh, you know, like you say, maybe maybe because of the 50th, maybe somebody's going to make a decision and say, hey, let's get this stuff out there. Maybe. But I hope so. I hope yeah. so. Jesse, you just need to write your congressman and uh, get some things going here. Yeah. We're getting we're getting political again. Political, yeah. By the way, uh, just to follow up on what you were talking about, Jeff, can I see your proof sheet? Sounds like a really lame pickup line. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, it does, doesn't it? All right, baby, can I see your proof sheet? You want to see my proof sheet? You want to see my proof sheet? Uh, certain circles, though, that would be very effective. because You show you me know, your proof sheet and I'll show you yeah, mine. Yeah, I'll show you mine. Yeah, I mean, actors would <laughs> Yes. During the time I was doing all of that, we, uh -huh. we go very excited over proof sheets. You go in and you have your headshots shot by a professional photographer and they'd take a bunch of 
shots and then put all the shots on a proof sheet. And you would go through them and look at them. You give the proof sheets to your agent. The agent, well, I like 12 and I like 16. And then the photographer would give their opinions. And you, as the person who was being photographed, would give your opinions. And you'd pick the best three that you liked as headshots to give to casting directors. And that's the way it all worked. Now it doesn't work that way. There aren't any proof sheets. Hmm. And it's just, a you know, everything is digitized and it's mm-hmm. sent via computer and you get it and you say, I want that one or something. And you print them or you don't print them or you just send them to agents or casting directors via the Internet. It's a whole different world in terms of proof sheets. But it's I liked it because it gave you an opportunity to see all the pictures on one page. And you kind of kind of go through and look at it and see the differences in the facial you know, expressions and things. Whereas sometimes the digital world is so kind of flat. You'd think that proof sheets would be flat, but they weren't. You could look at these little pictures through a magnifying glass. I guess it's a stupid. It's just something that I grew up doing, so I think it's right. better than the stupid uh, Discord uh, <laughs> site. What and that? you can upload your proof sheets to our Discord to channel. Discord Coming soon. Channel. Discord. <laughs> Discord. Is that the name of it? Discord. That's, yes. Discord. Yes, that's what it's called. Why would we want to go to Discord? <laughs> I don't know why, <laughs> you know. Because that's where that's, the young people are, Jeff. That's where the baby. young ones are. Let's do it at yeah. one called Nausea. Let's go to <laughs> Nausea. Are you on Nausea? No, I'm not uh, on Nausea yet. Oh, get get on uh, Nausea. Hurry. I think our listeners have gone to Nausea a long time ago, They're Jeff. probably there now, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, they are. <laughs> All right. couple of closing shout-outs. Let's wrap up here. Uh, one going out to our Patreon VIP in Slovakia. That is uh, Lucas. Lucas, Lucas. Uh, who has been with us uh, for a long time. He sent us uh, some really cool pictures and a little video of a special PC case that he built for the occasion of MASH's 50th anniversary. And uh, we are going to put pictures of that in the show notes for this episode. We might go ahead and share them on our social media as well here in the next couple of weeks. But um, if you want to see a really, really cool MASH PC case he, that he built, custom build, go to uh, episode 89 show notes at mashmatters.com and check it out. Lucas, well, well done. And then one more shout out here. This is something I came across. It's actually been on YouTube for almost a year. I had not seen it, but I just want to give a shout out to uh, Steven Sundstrom and his YouTube channel. He put together a video and the video is titled, Whatever Happened to Jeff Maxwell? (laughs) (laughs) And this is another link that I sent to you, Jeff, for you to preview before we recorded. (laughs) And gave you no information. I just said, here's a link, click on it and watch this. Oh, how I would have loved to have been a fly <laughs> on the wall to watch you watch somebody else tell basically your life story in about five minutes on a video. (laughs) We will put a link to this video, by the way, in the show notes for this episode as well. Mm. But thank you, Stephen, for uh, letting us know whatever did happen to Jeff Maxwell. I wonder. (laughs) I would like to know. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, Stephen, thank you. That was very nice work. You did a really good job. Um, It was, I have to admit, though, when I watched it, it was a little chilling. It was like watching my video uh, obituary. So it was a little scary. <laughs> I went, am I sitting up? Am I alive? I'm breathing, right? Right. But uh, it was good. It was good. I mean, it was well done. So, and I guess he's done it with other actors as well. So yeah, no, good, Stephen. Thank you. Uh, yeah. A lot of, you know, a lot of good work there. 
Thank you very much. Go to his YouTube channel. Check out all his videos. You can subscribe to him, all that. Um, speaking of subscribing, subscribe to us on your favorite podcast player. Find us on Facebook, on Instagram, YouTube. You can find us on Twitter. You cannot find us on Discord yet, but who knows? Maybe someday. And you can call and leave a voicemail, 513-436-4077. Keep that voicemail under three minutes in length. And we have a lot of voicemails that came in recently, and we might have to do an all-voicemail episode again just to get caught up on them. But anyway, keep those uh, messages and emails and everything coming in at mashmatterspodcast at gmail.com, and we'll answer as many as we can, although the answer might be, and typically is, we don't know. <laughs> right. We should title this episode, We Don't Know. We don't know. <laughs> but we'll pretend we do. Until next time, here's looking up your old address.